to worship you, oh my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, Could all my worshipers sing it again? Come on, all my worshipers sing it one more time. We just give you our voice. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. Um, I want to say thank you guys for allowing uh, me to take time off from preaching and still showing up and still being faithful. I'm thankful. Just know that I don't take this for granted. Um, I don't take Pioneer Church for granted. I don't take you guys for granted. I don't take the opportunity of being able to share with you for granted. This is a privilege. It's a gift. God gives and God takes away. And so as long as he keeps on giving, I'm going to keep on giving it back. Amen? Amen. And so just know that this isn't something I'm like, oh, I just get to preach every Sunday. No, I don't get to preach. I have the privilege and the gifting, the calling, the anointing to do it. Once those things are gone, I'm out but they're not gone right now. So um, I want to give a shout out to um, the Pioneer Church extended family who corrected me on the way in. I love y'all. Like, y'all, listen, they were like, oh, we're family. We're here. We watch you online. Don't get it twisted. We ain't visitors, okay? I, re I receive the rebuke. I receive it in the name of Jesus. And so that's like all of our online family. You are welcome to come in and correct me for free. Um, just come on in and correct me. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Um, so good to have you guys in the building today. Um, I, um, over the break, I was searching and searching and searching on Amazon for something pretty cool. Um, you know when you search on Amazon, you don't know what you're shopping for until it hits you? And you're like, I'm going to find it. It's in my spirit today. I got to buy something. I haven't seen the mailman in three days. You know, what is he doing, you know? 
And so you're searching, you're searching, and I found something on Amazon. Um, and if you're here for the first service, don't say nothing. Don't ruin it for anyone. I found something on Amazon that's going to help share the gospel um, to the world and to the community and things like that. And I can't believe I found it. I was shocked when I found it because I was like, oh, this is so cool. It's so simple. It's whatever. And so um, I don't want no one to, no, don't give it away if you're in the first service, okay? So uh, can, do I have anyone in here who can keep a secret? Anyone? Don't sit here and not raise your hand. I know all y'all lying. All y'all sitting here with a whole lie on your face. Um, and so I wanted to, I want to show you guys, but I will show you guys in time. You, you haven't earned it yet. Well, well, who wants to, who wants to see what's in here? Yes. You, want, you want to see what's in here? Can you hold a secret? Yes. All right, don't react. Yes. All right, Matt, come up. Come look and see what's in here. This little thing is going to help, it's show, it is gonna help shape the gospel and share the gospel. Don't react. Don't react. All right. And, like, it didn't cost me much, obviously. Because um, I, I keep on, every time I look at it, I'm like, yo, how did we miss this? How did we miss this? How did this, it's, it's just sitting there. Who, who else wants to take a look at it? Anyone else? Uh, Danielle, come look at it. Come look at it. Come look at it. Tell me what you think. This is going to help share the gospel. All right. All right. Chill out now. <laughs> Chill out. Some of y'all have got Twitter fingers like, ooh, what is it going to be? Um, no, and I was looking at it, and I was just like, surely that cannot hurt. It's so, it's so small. It's like I wouldn't even, I wouldn't, I wouldn't choose that to share the gospel. Because I look at the, all the, like, people in the Bible and what they use to share the good news and, you know, and I'm like, that's for real? Me? All right, one more person. I got to get someone from the back. Anyone, there you go. Come on up. Come on up, girl. The price is right. <laughs> you see that? Ain't that like, right? I'm impressed by her, so I've never met another white lady named Tasha, so... <laughs> Amen, amen, amen. I never in my, like, even when my family met my wife, they're like, for real? You Tasha? Some of them are like, you got a blacker name than Jeremy. Like, what's going on? All right, one more. I do one more. Who wants? One more, one more. Raise your hand. You want to see what's in there? All right, come on. Come on, come on. You see that? All right, don't say nothing. So on my online, I know, don't say nothing. He had like, I'm about to say something in his eyes. <laughs> don't say nothing. I wouldn't use that. I would never think about that. I wouldn't do that. So, all right, camera people, you got to track with me, all right? The, the thing that God, is, like, God allowed me to order to use this, to share the gospel, is you. That's it. That's the only thing that's in the box. It's you. There's no silly gift. It's just you. Whomever you see, this is who God wants to use 
to share the gospel. This was his plan for the gospel. It wasn't an animal. It wasn't any other thing. It wasn't any other. It's you. That's it. That's what he plans on using. And so many times, a lot of us, we look at this man and we go, God can't use that. I wouldn't use me. I wouldn't do it. And he's like, no, no, no. What you look at is exactly whom I want to use to share the gospel because you are the greatest story that I could ever tell. You are the greatest story that I could ever tell. And so many of us, we grew up in this worldview that says, like, I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. My nose is too big. My teeth are too whatever. And God is like, no, no, no. I made you. I crafted you with my hands. No one else. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. Listen, ain't no contraceptive could have kept you from being on this earth, okay? I don't care how many pills you take or how many things you put on. You couldn't be kept, okay? Because the plans of God are that strong. He's like, I needed you on this earth because I have a plan and a purpose for you, and I made you just like me. So stop looking for everything else to share the gospel. Don't look for another album. Don't look for another podcast. Don't look for another song. You are my story. You are enough. I want you to share the gospel. But so many times we look at this man, we're like, oh, I can't. If you know what I did last night, if you know the drugs I've been taking, if you know the abortion I just had, if you knew my sexuality preference, uh, you wouldn't. And God is like, no, no, no. I don't care about all that. I want you. So every time you look at this mirror, God is like, don't look at someone who has not. Look at someone who is filled up. He wants you. He wants you. He looks at you with, with whatever genetic makeup you have. That's what he looks like. He's like, you're my plan for the gospel. But God, use Pastor Jeremy. I already did that. I'm talking about you. God, if you, if you only knew. And he does know. He does know. He wants to use your story, your experiences, your world. And he's like, let me come into it because I want to use you. And I think so many times we want to cancel ourselves because we have this wild negative mindset. Whenever we look at ourselves and think of ourselves, we always are like, I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I don't have a good enough voice. Listen, I want to hit like, the song we just sang. It says, let it be a sweet sound in your ear. Listen, you need to share your story even if your voice shakes. Share your story. God is not using anyone else. He wants to use you. Some of you guys are praying for people right now. God, I wish they would just have an encounter with you. And God is like, when are you going to move? No, let, let, let the church. No, 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 no. The church, they don't live in the, the church in the church building. They live in your house. You're friends with them. God, use it. No, no, no. If you, remember what we were saying? If you could use anything, Lord, you can use me. Number one, God never gives up on his original plan, design, or intention. He never gives up. See, some of us, we've started so many other things that we've just started and never finished, right? Some of y'all got bathrooms unfinished, projects in the house unfinished, that car that's just been sitting there for years unfinished. We give up. 
We give up. We go through life. We'll start something real strong, and then we won't finish. But God never deviates from the original plan. You have to understand. Hear me when I say this. God created each and every one of us good. And not by the world standard of good. He created us by the divine standard of good. That when he created us, he said, this is good. I've created you to be good. Now, yes, did we fall and sin and mess up? Yes, but our original intention is to worship God and to be good. That was his original intention. So when we say yes to Jesus and he redeems us and he restores us, he is bringing us back into his goodness. Stop looking in the mirror and saying, you're bad. You know what the greatest defeat is? Telling a prince or a king that they're not royalty. You know how many times the enemy whispers in your ear, you're not good enough. God doesn't want to use you. You know what you did last night. You know what you said to them. And God goes, no, 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 I've created you to be good. I know you slipped. I know you messed up, but I've created you to be good. Be good as I am good. Come to me. You are mine. I, I, I just want to let y'all know, every time the enemy says something wild, just be like, hey, you lose. Why am I listening to a loser? You lose. You're not skinny enough, and you're just ugly. Like, like, think about this. Like, the devil got kicked out of all of heaven, and yet all of heaven is before each and every one of us. That's a loser. Like, he could never go back, and yet that's our eternal dwelling place. That's our eternal dwelling place. God never gives up on his original intention. In Genesis 1, 26, it says, Then God said, let us make, let us, let us make mankind in our image. God wasn't talking to himself by himself. He was talking to the Trinity, the divine mystery of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all working in tandem together. They are interpersonal and personal. It is a God who exists in three dimensions. I'm trying to explain a big God with little creature words right now. So please excuse me if I don't have enough words to explain it because there isn't enough words to explain it. He acts three in one, one in three. They are never in argument or in disagreement. They are always in a yes. So when he said, let us make mankind the way there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, he created the body, the soul, and the mind. So yes, when someone looks at me, they are looking at the image of the Father because three of, three of those things exist in me. I am mind, body, and soul. And so I worship what God, Father, Son, and Spirit. If I tried to explain God more, I wouldn't have enough time. I'm literally giving you a mere chip off the iceberg of who God is. I haven't gotten God figured out. If I did, he would no longer be God, but he would be an idol I created. He said, let us make mankind in our image. Someone say, I'm original. In our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Someone say, I'm original. You see, when God creates, he doesn't pull. He doesn't need inspiration. He doesn't need a former thing to be there. No one creates on this earth from sheer 
imagination. It always pulls from something else. If you look at all the artwork and all the things, it's pulling or it's building upon something that exists. God creates from nothing, wow. from scratch. When he created us, he created from scratch. When he created you, he created you from scratch. And you're like, well, you know, my mom and dad. No. He designed you individually. Even identical twins have individualities about them. They have fingerprints that no one else on this earth has. They have personalities that no one else on this earth has. So when he created you in original and he created you in his image, he created you unique. There is nothing, no one like you in all this earth. Now, I know people may have similar and may look similar, but when God looks at you, he doesn't look at you through a lens of similarity. He's like, man, I remember when I created them. It says, what does he tell them to do? He not only tells them you're an original, he gives them a job. He says, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. You are to command the beast of the field and the beast of the sky and the animals of the sky. He's like, not only did I create you an original, I got something for you to do. You see, originality can't hang out by itself. Originality walks around and does original things. Right? Because we're all destined. Like God, he says, subdue the earth. Subdue the earth, have dominion over the earth. You have to understand, this is why, saints, sometimes I want to call y'all kings and queens. Don't let it get to your head, though. Um, I call y'all kings and queens because you were created in the image of God. You were created in the image of the king of kings, right? When the Bible says he's the king of kings, that doesn't mean the kings on this earth who have marked history. No, no, no. We were created in the image of God because God sat up in the heavenly places and he goes, I'm the king over everything. I'm the king over the invisible. I'm the king over heaven. So you know what? Let me create a physical earth and let me create man in my image. And guess what? I'm going to make him the king of the earth because there can't be two kings in one place. So he's like, I'm going to create mankind in my image. I want them to build on earth. I want them to partner with me and build my kingdom here on earth. So when he says he's the king of kings, he's the king of kings. You're an original. You're an original. Stop trying to be a copycat on Instagram. Stop trying to be a copycat on your block of where you live and what you do. God didn't call you to that. He called you to be an original. He says, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the bird in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Subdue the earth. You see, this is, this is how I know racism was to never, slavery was to never exist. He never says to subdue another person. He never says to, to, to lord over another person. What does he give us a job? To subdue the earth, the animals, subdue those things. But that's what sin does. It takes something and it twists it. Now, when sin comes in the picture, we're not ruling over the earth. We're ruling over each other. That's why I like racism and slavery. I know it breaks the heart of God because he's like, that's not what I put you to do. I said, rule over the earth, subdue the earth, not over man. 
We can go into a whole conversation like, well, why does it talk about slavery in the Bible? There's a different kind of slavery. That's slavery that people chose to be like, I want my life to be sold out to you. So we can go into a whole of that, but I don't got time for that. Shoot me an email. We'll talk. Number two, God is love. Love requires relationship. God loves relationship with you. God is love. Love requires relation. There is no way you could love someone and not have relationship. Imagine if I came home every day and I didn't talk to Tasha, didn't say nothing to Tasha, and I just did what I had to do around the house and was like, peace, good night. That's not relationship. Relationship is like, oh, there's love there, right? There's love, love, God requires relationship. The way that God shows his love is through relationship. That is the way God shows his love. He's like, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to be near to you. I want you to be near to me. And so what happens is, is that sin enters the earth and puts a space in our relationship with God. God used to walk around in the cool of the day. It was like, Adam, what up? Adam was like, I was, I was naked. So I, I hid. So what does God do? He's like, I have to fix this sin issue. You have to understand that the Bible is the only holy text where the hero dies for the villain. You can search all the other religions. Look, I've looked. None of them will have someone say, I'm, whether you believe in God or not, or whether you're 50-50 on Jesus or whatever, there is no other text that speaks of a man saying, hey, I'm going to die for them. You can look. So what does God do? He's like, the God, God is like, I am love. So the only way I know how to communicate is through love. And I want a relationship with those whom I created in my image. I want a relationship with those who, 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 love, who love me. I want my relationship. So what does he do? He says, I'm going to fix the problem that they caused. I'm going to send my son who is full of me, full of my presence. He's going to be the final sacrifice for all of them. I've never, that's, that story don't make sense. I mess up, and you want to save me from my mess up? If you're a parent or a teacher in the room, you know that don't make sense. I'm going, I want to, that doesn't make sense. So he goes, I'm going to send Jesus. And this is what it says in 1 John. In 1 John 4, it says, 7 to 10, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Where does love come from? Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. You didn't love the person, you lusted after them. Oh, shoot, I'm in someone's living room right now. All right, let's be real. <laughs> Let's be real. It's just like, I don't know how we got you. You lusted after the person. Love and lust are very different. Right? Lust takes. It takes. And it takes. And it takes. And it takes. But when I, when I always find myself in the center of God's love, I'm always giving. Because when you're in the center of God's love and you give, you're like, I don't care if you give nothing back. This ain't for you. This is because I love my father who's given me so much. So here, you could, here, I'm giving it to you. That's why I don't allow anyone that I know and love, no one can borrow money from me. 
You can't borrow money from me. Here, I'm giving it to you. Here. God's already got, God's taking care of Here. How can you give? Because he loved me so much so I can give. That's love. Giving out without expecting to receive something. Some of us are in relationships where it's just like, oh, I only love them because they make me feel a certain way. God is like, whether I feel a certain way or not, I love you. Whether you feel a certain way or not. See, the love that you have in your heart, whether you acknowledge God or not, doesn't make God bigger or smaller. Because he's like, my love is love. I am love. So I'm going to love you through it all. Whether you acknowledge me or not, I'm going to love you through the pain. I'm going to love you through the hurt. I'm going to love you through it all because I am love. And when you love one another and you love each other, I'm on display. That's why, see, there's so many things that tie into the verse. that says when two or three are gathered, I am there. Not only is the spirit there because he promised he'd be there. He's like, I am here because my love is here because you guys are sharing your burdens with one another. There is love there. Love covers a multitude of sins. And so many times we use that when, when someone tells us to forgive someone else, right? Love covers a multitude of sins, but we never view it in the aspect of God looking at us. Oh, God, I don't want to go around sin, sinning willingly, so could you please forgive me for that? He says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's love. That's love right there. And you're like, well, do I have to love? What about this person who hurt me? Love him. Love is work, y'all. Okay? I got three kids. Love is work. And a whole wife. Love is work. Okay? Some of y'all think like, oh, love should just be happening, or you have this Hollywood view of love. The Hollywood view of love will lead you to divorce. He doesn't buy me flowers. She doesn't cook for me. Y'all have this Hollywood view of love. Love is self-sacrifice. Love is saying, hey, I love you, but you're not remembering me right now, but I'm going to love you. Number three. Anyone who is redeemed and restored through Jesus Christ is filled with his Holy Spirit and has a purpose. If Jesus Christ has, do I have any saints who've been redeemed and restored? Can I get a wave, a clap? Let me, yeah, yeah. If you are in Christ Jesus, you have a purpose. You have a purpose. I've heard it said before. There are the two most important days in your life. When you're born and the reason you find out why. When you're born and the reason you find out why. It's through the Holy Spirit, through God's personal presence that dwells in us. That's what gives us a purpose. And so many times when we read the Bible and we read about Elisha and Elijah and all the prophets and Moses and Samson and, 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 and all these people who, were, who did amazing feats in the Bible, the prophet Samuel, Jeremiah, um, like all these people who did amazing feats in the Bible were like, oh my gosh, look how awesome. Moses, when you get to heaven, some of us are like... When people say, oh, when I get to heaven, I can't wait to meet Moses. It's like, bro, make it past Jesus first, and then we can talk about Moses. But imagine going up to Moses in heaven and be like, you parted a whole sea. 
You hit a rock and water came out. You, wow, that's amazing. You see Elijah in heaven? Oh my gosh, Elijah, you called fire from the sky. You didn't even die. You got swept up in a cloud of fire. How amazing is that? What is that like? And I believe they're going to stand there and be like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? You had the Holy Spirit living inside of you. What was that like? You see, the Holy Spirit came and it overshadowed us and it powered us to do what God wanted to do in the moment. You had him living in you every day? In every moment you had access to him? You didn't have to be a prophet. You didn't have to be a high priest to access him. He just dwelled in you at every second and every moment and every moment you, you were tapped into the holy God. What is that like? We didn't have that. We didn't have any of that. We, yes, we had great moments, but he was in you each and every moment and each and every day and each and every hour. Please tell me what that's like. Because I want, because he was in you. You were filled with purpose the entire time. You were filled with purpose. You had his purpose dwelling in you. I believe that there's a whole host of heaven and all these Bible heroes that we look at I believe that they're looking at us and they're like, man, if I had what they had every day, whew, you couldn't stop me. Everyone would be getting the gospel. You are God's number one plan for sharing the gospel. You have a plan. You have a purpose for your life. You did not show up here by accident. You didn't, you're not in this room by accident. There's a plan and there's a purpose for you. And it's all wrapped up in the Holy Spirit. All you have to do is walk by the Spirit, right? What does Scripture say? Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be given to you. Everything will be given to you when you put the kingdom first. Everything. Your plans, your purpose, your desires. He said, submit them to me, and I'm going to fulfill them through you. Do you have a purpose? You have a purpose. Don't let anyone tell you different. Don't let everyone, anyone say you don't have any purpose. You, you were an accident. You were a night of passion. You have a purpose on this earth. And here's the beautiful thing about your purpose. You want to hear the beautiful thing? You want to hear the great thing about um, walking in the Spirit and having, and having the Spirit dwell in you? Is that you don't need a resume. God doesn't care about your resume. Right? How many of us have been on job interviews and we done lied on that resume saying words we don't even know? Manage and corrugated 45 people. You only know four people. Like, who are you lying to? People look at you like, wow, you have an impressive resume. You're like, don't I? I can't believe it myself. God never looked at your resume to give you purpose. There's nothing that you need to do that will qualify you for a purpose. God said, once you're filled with my spirit, you have a purpose. 
You don't gotta, you don't gotta try and sell yourself to me. You don't gotta do any other thing. When you said yes to my son, my personal presence empowers you and you don't gotta give me no resume. You don't gotta come before me and say, God, I give this to the church. God, I did this today. He's like, I don't need a resume because I'm not worried about your past. I'm changing in your present and you're focused on my future. Thank God that we don't have to have job interviews to be filled with the Spirit. I don't, I don't have to be like, all right, God, well, you know, this is what I did for you. He goes, no, 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 no. When you walk with me and you talk with me, I filled you with everything that you need. Y'all need to stop thinking you need a resume before God. You don't need a resume. You don't need a title. You don't need to be pastor, deacon, whatever. You don't need all that. You don't need four suffixes after your name. You don't need all that. God's power doesn't move on subfixes. It doesn't move on man's titles. He's like, oh, you have my spirit. You're my child. That's enough. I'm going to use that. But some of us, we just struggle mentally. Like, if we're being real, like, we just struggle. It's like, God, you can't use me. Like, you can't use me, God. Like, I'm a mess. Like, if you saw my life, like, I, I barely, and if we're being really honest, it's like, I barely even believe the, the, the words I read in the Bible sometimes. Like, why would you use me? Don't y'all know that Paul was a murderer? A murderer. Don't you know that in Jesus' lineage, Rahab was a prostitute? So why are we out here disqualifying ourselves and God is like, I use crooked sticks to hit home runs on the daily. <laughs> on the daily, like this ain't even hard. If you just give yourself to me, I guarantee you, I can break the generational curse within you. Just fill yourself with my spirit. I can guarantee you can home run this family dysfunction right now if you trust me. You could home run this unemployment right now if you trust me. You could home run this confusion on your purpose if you trust me. Give yourself to me and I'm going to give you my spirit and it's going to fill you with power. In Ephesians 2.10, this is in the Amplified Version, it says, for we are his workmanship. We are his masterwork. We are his work of art created in Christ Jesus. We are formed in Christ Jesus. We are created in Christ Jesus. We are his masterpiece. We are his masterpiece. There's so many times where we look at this mirror and we're like, I don't really feel like a masterpiece. I don't think I look like a masterpiece. Because here's the tactics of the enemy, right? It's not that he's going to come in your life and be like, all right, let me shake things up. And sometimes he does. But if he's like, if I can get you to start believing that you're less than thereof, I don't got to touch anything else. If I could just get you to believe it, I ain't got to mess with nothing else. So many of us, if I were to come down and hold the mirror in front of you right now, some of you guys wouldn't even look at yourself for more than five seconds. You couldn't. You look and then you're like, ah. That's why some people they can't even like they can't even take a selfie. Now our culture's addicted on selfies. That's a whole other thing. But we can't look at ourselves. You ever met the person that every time you take a picture of them, they always got something to say about them? And you're like, family, you're created in the image of God. You look just like him. 
So whether it's a weird picture where you're making a funny face or it's not and you intended to take the picture, you look just like our dad. You want to know the beauty about that is? Is that on this earth, I'll never have to see, thank God I get to, but I would never have to see my physical father to know that I made in the image of my heavenly one. Some of you guys don't know your parents, unfortunately. Some of you guys never met your dad or your mom. And you're like, where do I come from? And I want to tell you, I may not know where you came from genetically on this earth, but I know that you're a brother and sister in Christ, so I know where you come from spiritually. So if you never find them, if you never have a relationship with them, welcome to the family. We all look alike. And you're like, well, pastor, we're black and we're white. I know. Isn't that great that God sat up there and was like, let me not make everyone great. That's boring. <laughs> let me go on and make some black people, some white people. Let me make some Puerto Ricans, wepa. Let me make some Caribbean people. Let me, let me show how creative I really am with a pack of Crayola colors. Let me, show, let me go on and show out. Let me go on and show out. It says we are his workmanship in a work of art created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared us for beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living a good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. You have a job to do. You have a job to do. You are created, with a, you are created and saved with a purpose. You are redeemed and restored. Like God is tired of trophy Christians. Like everyone wants to be a trophy Christian. And I met a lot of Christians who have come to Christianity but have never come to Christ. All right? God wants you to come to Christ. He wants you to look like him. He didn't redeem and restore you to put you on a shelf. He redeemed and restored you to put you back to work. He puts you back to work. You have a purpose. Some of us think you have to be in the church to fulfill that purpose. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't have to be in the four walls of the church to fulfill that purpose. You can be an EMT. You can be a nurse. You can be a waiter, a waitress, an actor, an actress, an entrepreneur, a teacher. Whatever you passion you have in your heart, God is like, I want to live there. I'm going to use you where you're at, and I'm going to do something in you to reach people who would never come into a church building. This is why I have you where I have you. You are my gospel. You reflect me. This is why I can't have all y'all in the church, even though it's great on Sunday, but I need y'all to go out into the workplace, into the marketplace, because if they only see you in here, they're not getting me out there. Some of, you, some of us are working jobs. You're like, God, I don't know why I'm at this job. Right? That's our prayer to work. I don't know why I'm at this job, Lord. You've you seen my boss, and Lord, I said if you could use anything, Lord, but Lord, I'm fixing to use these hands, Lord. <laughs> you know that prayer. You know that prayer and that drive to work. Fixing to use these hands, Lord. God created you with a purpose. But here's the thing, all right? I want to find some balance because, yes, God gives us a purpose. Yes, he fills us with the spirits and gives us a purpose. Here's what Christians so, so many times do. It's like God gives us a purpose. He fills us up. It's like, okay, I know my purpose. And then we go out and we're like, I got to do it by myself. I'm on my own. It's just me. And can I let you know, that's dumb. Okay? There's no deep, there's no, y'all looking for deep theology on that. It's dumb. 
God did not fill you with purpose for you to try and fulfill the purpose by yourself. You want to know what happened to the last person who tried to fill purpose by himself? He got thrown out of heaven. So stop trying to fulfill purpose by yourself because it's not for you. It's in Ezekiel. God tells what he says. He's like, I threw him so fast out of heaven because he had iniquity in his heart. And the purpose that I created for him to do, he wanted to use it and worship himself. So as soon as I saw that, I casted him out. Because I don't give you purpose for yourself. I give you purpose for the body. I didn't give you the skill, talent, gifts. I didn't give it so that you could feel good about yourself and so that you could show the world how cool you are. I gave it to you because I want you to reflect me. If at any moment Pastor Jamie decides, you know what? I'm going to go and be a motivational speaker. I'm not going to preach. I'm not going to lead the church. I'm not going to use this gift for the church. God will take it away. Because he's like, it's not... For that, I gave you to encourage the church. Some of y'all are wondering in this season, I don't know why it's not working. I've been trying and trying. And God is like, because that's not what your purpose is for. Y'all are trying to use a fork to chop, chop down a tree. It's just not going to work that way. God, I've been trying and trying. and I've been trying to. He's like, no, use it in the church. Use it for the church, and I guarantee. See, the beauty about it is when God gifts you and he skills you and you start using it to build the body, naturally you start building your own business because he's like, oh, you're impacting the church. You're edifying the body. So much so that when you leave here, someone's going to be like, man, you should start a business doing that because a radical relationship. Right? I'm waiting for y'all. There you go. There you go. Use your purpose. So number four is your purpose is not to do it alone, but with the new ecclesia. Ecclesia is Greek for a set-apart people. It's Greek for church. Your purpose is not to do it alone, but to do it with the church. Use it in the church. And I'm not talking... All right, listen, there's different... I'm not saying for the, the church to abuse your gifts. That's not what I'm talking about because that's unhealthy church. I'm saying you offer your gift and saying, hey, this is available. I'm available to do this. This is what I feel like God is gifting me in, and I want to use it for the benefit and the growth of the church. And some of you guys think you have to be walking around and heaving and hollering and, like, casting people down the spirit. No, if you have a gift, get, right, because mm. if you have the gift of hospitality, use it. Hey, I just want to love people. You know, I just want to meet people. Some of y'all got the gift of gab. Y'all love to talk. I see it. When people's eyes glaze over just a little bit. Some of you guys have the gift of administration. Some of you guys have the gift of prophecy. Some of you guys have the gift of prophetic vision. Some of you guys have the gift of speaking in tongues. Some of you guys have the gift of songwriting. Y'all need to understand, songwriting is a gift. Singing a song is a gift. All right? It's a gift. Because after God threw um, whatever his name is out of heaven, he threw him out of heaven. And I bet you all the angels were like, well, God, what are we going to do now? Like, who's going to lead the worship? And God, in his infinite wisdom, stood up there. He's like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to create man. Okay, God. But they can't be up here. I know. I'm going to create him on earth. And what I'm going to do is 
I'm going to place a group of them on one side of the hemisphere, and then they're going to move to the other side of the hemisphere. Okay, God. You're talking about migration? Okay. All right. And so I've made them and to move and separate. So now worship is going to be 24 hours, not depending on any one person, but putting my spirit in my people. Okay, God, where are you going with this? So much so that when one group of people are going to sleep worshiping, another group of people is waking up worshiping. Oh, you really figured that one out. There's constant worship and praise going up to heaven. As we're falling asleep on this side of the earth, the other side's waking up and they're thanking God for a whole new day. So now worship is not dependent on one angel, but it's dependent on a people. It's on us. Community is not easy. Community is not easy. It never was. It never was easy. If some of you guys think um, racism started a couple years ago, <laughs> no. Racism has existed for far longer than what we could ever imagine. It has. Community is difficult because everyone's got different preferences, everyone's got different styles, everyone's got different things. But here's the unifier, here's the bonder, is that the Holy Spirit, he comes and he goes, I'm going to fill all of you up because I'm going to put you of one spirit and one mind. He's not talking about uniformity. That's not what the Bible's talking about. He's talking about unique worship through each and every one of us. He doesn't call us to uniformity, he calls us to uniqueness. All of us ain't dressed the same. All of us don't look the same. All of us come from different backgrounds, different heritages, different ethnicities. And if you don't think the enemy's going to attack that, baby, I don't know where you've been living. Of course he's going to attack that. Because if I, could, if I could ununify the church because of denomination, you know what? I thank God that he doesn't look at us and look at, oh, like, oh, wow, the Pentecostal denomination's doing really well this morning. God doesn't go, oh, the Episcopalians, like, oh, all right. Presbyterian, oh, really good. You guys, are... I love that God doesn't look at earth like that. Instead, he goes, where are my worshipers at? Who's filled with my spirit? I could, where are they? Oh, there they are. There they are. There they are. I see them. I don't care about denominations. There's no denominations where I live and I created everything. I want to look for my worshipers because those are worshiping me in spirit and in truth. So what does the enemy do? Of course he's going to cause divide through differences. He's going to try and call divide through differences. I'm going to read this out of Ephesians 2.19. I've been studying this as a team. But what does it say? It says, so now you Gentiles. What? Gentiles. Everyone look around the room. Gentiles. There you go. If you're like, who's a Gentile? Look to your left to your right. Gentiles. So now you Gentiles. So if anyone ever asks you, are you in the Bible? Yes, I am. How you know? He calling people Gentiles. I'm a Gentile. He says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers or foreigners. You're no longer strangers or foreigners. You guys have to understand, there was a racial disparity between Jews and Gentiles. The Jews hated the Gentiles. They called the Gentiles dogs. They called, they, even that's why they were surprised when Jesus walked into Samaria. They're like, you don't want to walk around Samaria because <laughs> the Gentiles are there. 
Gentiles were, some of them were half-breeds, were half-Jewish and half-Canaanite. And so the Jews looked. There were times in the Old Testament where if a, um, a Gentile woman was giving birth and a Jewish nurse was around, she would let the baby die in childbirth. That's how much the hate was. That's how much the hate was. Did you know that it's just, so when, when Paul says, he's like, I'm a pastor to the Gentiles, he's like, wait, wait, this promise, wait, 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 this inheritance, this promise is no longer only for the Jews, but for the Gentiles as well? Yep. That changed everything. In that society, that, because Jews thought like, we're God's chosen people. We're the favorites. We're all here by ourselves. We have heaven as our inheritance. All y'all got nothing. And then Jesus came and flipped the whole script. And he goes, no, 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 it's good for the Jew and the Gentile. You have to understand, historically in this time, Gentiles didn't have any inheritance because they all worshiped false gods. They had nothing to inherit. They had nothing because they, were, they, they didn't serve any god. And so Jesus comes along. He goes, no, my, my blood is good for the Jew and the Gentile. Guess what? I'm writing the Gentiles in as inheritors of heaven. You got to say every Jew leg. <laughs> Are you for real right now? There was a disparity in the church because they're like, no, we're God's chosen people. And Gentiles are like, so are we. <laughs> so are we. Let me get half of that. The Jews hated the Gentiles. So this wasn't easy in the forming of the church. This wasn't easy in the beginning because they had to, you had to change as a Jewish person, you had to change and shift your entire paradigm of like, wow, this is no longer, we're not no longer God's favorite group of people. It is extended to anyone who calls on the name of Jesus is now added into this inheritance. So heaven is not only ours, it's us. It's not just me, it's us. And so he's like, you're no longer foreigners. You're no longer strangers. You are citizens along with God's holy people. So when you say yes to Jesus, you're not a foreigner. You're not on the outside looking in. Jesus is like, sit right here at this table. Your family. You're, this is why the gospel's good news. Because whether you're rich, poor, black, white, Asian, Latino, whatever you are, the gospel is for you. And once you say yes, you're in the family. You're in the family. He says, you're citizens along with God's holy people. You are members of God's family. You have an identity. Gentiles didn't have an identity. Why do you think the Jews would say, oh, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob? Because they had an identity. They're like, well, these are our forefathers. And now as Gentiles, I don't have to say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I can say, my God, who saved my mother, who saved my brother, who saved my family. That's my God. I don't need a Jewish lineage to make me a part of this family. I said yes to Jesus. I changed a whole generation after me now. They're in the family now. It says... Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling place where God lives by his spirit. No longer was there a high priest. 
Why do you think? That's why I love the story of the woman at the well. She goes, well, we can't go into Jerusalem and worship because we're Gentiles. And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. Soon there's going to be a time where worshipers are going to worship where in spirit and in truth wherever you are. Broke, Jesus came and broke down the entire religious part. Don't even matter no more. That's why the Pharisees were so tight. Every five seconds, Jesus was saying something wild. I could say, Jesus, he said something again? It's my day off. I'm on lunch. Some of y'all get that. Number five, you don't have to wait for heaven to live like it. Hear me. You don't have to wait for heaven to live like it. Some of we've been taught this theology of, oh, when I die and go to heaven, and God is like, why wait? Why wait? Some of us are like, oh, I want to do these things, and then when I die and go to heaven. No, no, no. God is like, no, create heaven on earth. Start now. If we, were just at the, if we were just waiting to go to heaven, God would have killed us at the point of salvation, but he didn't. He kept us here on earth because he's like, I got a job for you to do, and I need heaven to start coming out of y'all group of churches here on earth so when heaven comes down, people ain't too shocked. Right? When people say, oh, well, how could a loving God send people to hell? God don't send people to hell nowhere. Okay? Have you noticed God as a gentleman? He's not going to force you to do something you don't want to do. When he didn't show up to, to church three weeks ago, he didn't come in and be like, you could need to come to church. No, he's a gentleman. God doesn't send no one to hell. We choose that through our lifestyle. We want to live like hell, then live like hell. But if you want to live like heaven, if you want to live like heaven, that's, that's changing things. I've seen heaven change communities. I've seen heaven change families. I've seen heaven change individuals. See, God didn't fill us with his personal presence just to be like, I'm just going to wait until you get to heaven to start heaven to start uh, heaven to start manifesting. He's like, no, while you're here on earth, I'm going to keep you. Oh, thank you. See, girl, that's the ministry of a wife. Man, I was sweating like a Baptist speaking in tongues. I'm sorry if you don't like it. Welcome to Pioneer Church. We do things here a little different. See, God's not, God doesn't want to wait for, heaven, for, y'all to, for us to come up. He's like, no, no, no. I'm going to fill you with my presence so that heaven can start coming out of you on earth. Because when that starts happening, people start changing. People can see. So don't wait to go to heaven. No, no, no. Create it. Start it here. That's why I gave you my personal presence. That's why I gave you my Holy Spirit so that when two or three are gathered, they know heaven is in their midst. Heaven is amongst them. And so he says it right here. This is the closest thing that looked like heaven on earth. And the thing is, it happened then and it can happen again. You just have to get involved. In Acts 4, 31-35, it says, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathering together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, and no, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to them was his own. Have you noticed? It says, oh, once we claim ownership and once we say that's mine, that's when we begin... <laughs> In the name of Jesus, we begin to grieve the spirit because they're like, oh, no, no, that's, my, oh, that gift, that's my gift. Oh, that gift of preaching is mine. Oh, that gift of prophecy is mine. 
Oh, that gift of generosity is mine. This is my money. Oh, that gift of encouragement is mine. That's not what they did. They shared everything. They shared everything. God ain't giving you stuff just to make you materialistic. He's giving you for, so that you can give it away. Give it away. Give away encouragement. Give away love. Give away joy. Give away peace. Give away the message. If the Spirit is prompting you, give it away. Give it away. You have so much more in heaven. Give it away. He says, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as they had a need. I know. See, that, see what's sad is, like, even reading that as a pastor, as a Christian, that sounds crazy. Right? You selling your home? You selling your property? And you giving it to the, to the church? That sounds crazy to me. But God is like, if you know who it belongs to, it's not that crazy. If you know your... See, there's a lot of us when God is like, when God is building the kingdom and using us to build the kingdom, he's calling us to give stuff away because he's like, the more you give it away, the more I'm going to give you because you know who it belongs to. If you ever find yourself ungrateful about something, you might be stewarding it wrong. I don't like my wife. I don't like my husband. You're not stewarding them right. This family, you have a family and you're like, oh, I'm tired of being a parent. You're not stewarding it well. I find I'm thankful for whatever I steward well. And I'm ungrateful for whatever I don't steward well. Some of y'all are like, I got this busted car. Did you steward it well? Are you taking care of it? Are you giving it back to who gave it to you? Tasha knows, some of y'all know, some of y'all don't know. Uh, I used to have a car that ran on prayer alone. <laughs> Jesus, hallelujah. <laughs> Shandai, Lord God, touch this car. Hallelujah. You know I need to get the, I used to give, I used to tell God, God, I need to get to this job that you gave me, okay? All right? Some of y'all need to give it back to God. You know this car is busted. This is all I got. But I need to get the job you gave me. Okay, God. That's what I'm talking about. You just got to tell God. It's like, you gave this to me. That's how I do as a parent sometimes. God, you got to help me discipline this child you gave me. Because the knuck if you buck is about to come out. Some of these children forget we got a testimony. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dean at this college, and I'm like, some of y'all forget I, I came from somewhere, okay? Talking to me all crazy. What you mean, bro? First of all, God's still working on me. You catch these heavenly hands in the name of Jesus. But you got to, yeah, you got to, like, whatever God's given you, you got to ask him how to steward it, right? If some of you guys have six-figure jobs, ask them, how to, God, how do I steward this? How do I steward this to honor you? How do I steward, how do I do this? Because this is too much. This is, listen, the, and, and the thing is, God will bless you like crazy, and he wants to see what you're going to do with it. Yeah. But how do we say, God, <laughs> thank you for the blessing. This is too much. I want, what do I do with it? And he'll, he'll show you what to do. 
Some of us are like, God, man, I, I have so many friends. How do I steward them well? How do I love them well? How do I share a word of encouragement? God, thank you for this relationship I have with a boyfriend, a husband, a spouse, a fiance. How do I steward them well? Show me how to steward them. The reason why we make a mess is because we don't ask him. We don't ask him, and he's just like, just ask me. Once you ask me, I'm going to show you, and you'll never be without. Here's, here's a beautiful thing that we can look forward towards, and this is what I'm going to close on, and then we got to take communion. It says in Revelation 21, I, I encourage you guys to read this every once in a while, every so often, because if you lose sight of the destination, you, you kind of lose sight of your purpose. Okay? Don't focus on the destination. You have to know that God's not focused on your destination. God's focused on your process. We focus on the destination. God is like, I, ain't wor I know where you're going to end up if you're walking with me, so don't worry about the destination. Focus on me in the process. But here's a little encouragement. It says in, verse, in chapter 21 of Revelation, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw a holy city. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a beautiful bride, dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling people is now among the people. God's dwelling place is now among the people. Thank you, Jesus. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and, and be their God. He will wipe away every tear. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain or sex trafficking or prostitution or drug addiction or pornography addiction or, or broken families. All that goes away for the old order of the things has passed away. No more presidents, no more elections, no more politicians. All that old order has gone away and there will be a God seated on the throne and he says, I'm making all things new. And he's like, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. I am not a crooked politician. I am not a crooked government. I am the one you can put it on my back. And then he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Amen. Everyone, if you could just stand with me. Listen, God is not coming back to take sides. Ain't no sides to take. He's not coming back to take sides. He's coming back to take over. Yeah. He ain't come back. To, he ain't worried about sides. Y'all take all the sides you want. He's like, I'm coming back to take over because I'm coming back for my kids. We are his kids. He says, listen, all the old order is going to go away. The way the earth works is going to go away, and it don't even matter. See, some of y'all are living in comment sections, arguing with Democrats and Republicans and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And God is like, I don't care about none of that. I'm coming back for my kids. I will be your God, and you will be my children. There is no kingdom built by man on this earth that will ever last. I'm doing it all away. So guess what? 
I need you, each and every one of you, to get comfortable with looking in this mirror because guess what? I don't want you to look like you the more you look in this mirror. The more you think like, oh, I look good, I feel good. He's like, I don't want you to look like you. I want you to look into this mirror and be like, ooh, I look like Jesus today. What if we just woke up and were like, I look like God today? I'm going to go remind someone else that they look like him too. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just ask you right now, Lord God, that you just begin to have your way in each and every one of us. Father, we just thank you for the words that were preached today, Lord God. Let them take deep root in all that we're doing. Thank you for listening to the Pioneer Church Podcast. Let's go one step further. Subscribe and share this podcast with family and friends and see how this word changes their life. At Pioneer, we believe in journeying together. If you want to support this ministry, go to pioneerchurch.com give to continue to help us to reach people for Jesus. Thank you again for listening and God bless you.